Morena Church. Hey. I've only got about 10 minutes, so I'm going to have to make this really quick. Um, look, uh, just in light of, uh, you know, this um, announcement from, from the... Uh, I'm a bit loud, aren't I? No, that's fine. Um, just in light of the announcement from the, from the government, uh, I know that, that this caused quite... I've been uh, preaching in the last couple of weeks and in, in different churches, and there's just a lot of angst amongst uh, a lot of these churches around what the government's planning to do, the red light, green light uh, system, which is really funny because I was just watching the Squid Games last night, and there was that red light, green light, and it just didn't match. And but if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's good because you shouldn't really get into that. Um, but the, the red light, green light thing, I, look, for, for us as a church, we have uh, approximately 291 people who consider this their church home and we've been in very many ways divided already as a congregation. We don't have the luxury to not face this issue because for us, we can't have, I mean, we can't continue to have services under 100. Um, so if you are in a position where you're struggling with the vaccine in particular, please come and talk to myself or any one of the elders and I'd, I'd like to gauge where we're all at with that um, I know I've spoken to many of you already about this, but it'll be good just to get ourselves kind of prepared for what we might need to make, what decisions we need to make. Um, we, I've never been in a position where I've had to say no to somebody coming to church, and I certainly don't want to be, well, I'm not appreciative of being put in that position, um, but I, I understand it, I guess, but this is our community, and so this is a decision we make. That's what makes us Baptist, right? So I thought I'd just put that out there, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a bit of time before we reach that 90% anyway, so it's probably got a few weeks to kind of hash this out as a community. To the sermon, Exodus, our final, final sermon. Now, this has been quite extraordinary for us as a church, because normally I drive the sermons, or, you know, there's maybe two or three of us that drive the sermon series in general, but in this series... Um, the book of Exodus, we've had 26 sermons and 13 different teachers, all from within our church, which I think is extraordinary. Oh, well, I'm the only one that thinks that. <laughs> I'm like, wow, and, and everyone as good as the next. It was amazing to hear the different voices. It was amazing to see how much um, time and effort they put into preparing it and the way they delivered it and the challenges that came out of it. Um, and it's very encouraging for me, uh, as you know, the key preacher here in the church, teacher, to know that we've got at least 12 other more than capable speakers that can come up within our midst uh, to speak. So it was extraordinary. But the thing that actually ca captured me, this last week I sat down and went through all of them. I listened to each and every sermon, got snippets from each and every one of them. And it's extraordinary because the first sermon that was preached was back in May. And we, as a church, were a very different church back then. It was interesting, when Ben Carswell came up at week two, there was that really funny situation with the Bible reading between Eddie and, and, and Stefan, and, and if you weren't here, and Ian, and we're all meeting together, by the way. There was no level two, level three, or anything like that. In fact, we thought we had COVID under wraps back then. But back then, we also had Bron 
we also had Steve since then we've lost Bron we've lost Steve Brent our custodians moved on and moved up to Levin and now Kathy a lot has changed since then not just as a country but even as a church Ben shared this comment which I thought was really cool there is no pit deep so deep that God's love is not deeper still he shared that comment from Corey Temboom in his opening sermon and that really resonated with me he was talking about the the boys that were to be slaughtered you know when when the, 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 the Israeli women were giving birth if it was a boy they were to be slaughtered and then the story of Moses in the basket it was a tough sermon to preach Keith the following week talked a bit about um, Moses confronting uh, Pharaoh let my people go and every time they tried to do that Pharaoh made it even more harder for the people and he made this comment have you ever discovered that when you desire to live a life to follow Christ things appear to get worse Richard Willis a few weeks later shared and he shared this comment from Lauren Hagel a Christian musician remind me once again just who I am because I need to know when the Israelites were struggling with identity in the midst of suffering Jean Rhodes who talked about the Passover and she broke that down for us she stated this I will free you from the Lord I will free you I will deliver you I will redeem you you will be my people the cornerstone of what Exodus is all about this relationship between the people and God Carrie Bennett who talked about the mountains and had those photos of the mountains and talked about that in between space made this comment preparing to meet God is just as important as what he has for us sometimes we're all about the end result but actually the process of getting there is just as important and then Charles who talked about the commandments he made this comment without God morals are subjective accidents of history conveniences to maximize survival it's a challenging sermon around what does it mean to be under a commandment and then Andrew even had to unpack more around those laws but he said this he said God only deals with absolutes with absolute truth it's not about us but then he saved the Israelites before they had the law before they had the absolutes to bring them out and to be with them before they were right with God and he saves us before we are right with him Eddie Forster made this comment which I thought was funny I studied Yates at university I'm not bragging he drove me nuts but even more powerfully he said this in relation to talking about um, about the high priest about Aaron and the difficulties he was having with being the high priest and then talking about us Eddie said this get out there and show unapologetically what it means to be Christ Christ is now our high priest you might feel you've got it hard at the moment but God has never stopped getting us ready to carry on doing the things for him and then Derek who created that and this is when we were in lockdown and Derek created the uh, 
the temple and he talked about the tabernacle and, and all the different parts to it. And he said this about that. We can trust the one, our God, whose attention to detail is so evident throughout history and beyond, even into our lives today. That's a powerful statement from Derek. And then Jeff, Jeff Brandt, who then started talking about all the... Um, uh, the attires of the, of, the, of the high priest and what it meant and all the different meanings around the different pieces of, of the clothing. He said, it's time for something new for us. It's time for something different. It's time to change my clothes and put on Jesus Christ. A powerful statement from Jeff. And then Barbie, who, who talked not just about work, but about the Sabbath, challenged us that when Jesus created things, he created them really well. He didn't just make straight wine. He made great wine. And she makes this comment. She goes, I pray that God really helps you to do excellent work in the place you are working. And then the week after Barbie, we had Bruce, and he, he took this comment, quoting from the message introduction to Matthew, which I think really sums up a lot of what Exodus is about. He said, the story of Jesus doesn't just begin with Jesus. God had been work at work for a long time. Salvation, which is the main business of Jesus, is an old business. Every day we wake up in the middle of something that is already going on, that has been going on for a long time. Genealogy and geology, history and culture, the cosmos, God. We are neither accidental nor incidental to the story. Those are just some snippets of what we've heard over the last 26 weeks or 25 weeks. Today, I want us to go to the very last portion, the last four verses of Exodus. Going from verse 34, it says this, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and the fire was in the cloud by night, in sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. And that's the end of the book of Exodus. There's nothing really new in this passage. It is basically a sum up of what it's all really about. A people following their God. And the challenge of who this God is. And who this God is is actually quite summed up very well in this passage. It's something that sometimes we Baptists forget. That God is holy he is a holy god i was in rome in 2019 i lived there for six years met my wife there got a lot of family there and i never when living there took in the churches they were just old relics to me at the time boring places who were no interest whatsoever but as i've grown older it's amazing and in 2019, I just made it an effort to just sit in some of these spaces. And, and we forget as Baptists because we're very um, functional. Our spaces 
can be multifunctional. But the Catholics, nah, it's all God's space. And whether you agree with the theology or not, it's not what I'm debating this morning. They set aside that whole space to the glory of God and you know it when you walk in. It's amazing. It denotes one thing and that's the biggest thing. It denotes that this God is a holy God. And as you read about the, Jew, the Israelites in particular, when they're in the desert, they're confronted by this cloud, but not even Moses can get in when this cloud settles. It's, you know, I mean, he's been face to face with God, but even he can't get that close. It's too holy. But there's also another thing that's going on there, that God is not only just holy, he is always near. And in the ancient world, this was far different from all the other cultures. God was over there somewhere, Mount Olympus, or over in this place, or that place. Here God is in the middle of his people. He is right there amongst them. And there's this tug of war between holiness and closeness. And this last four verses just sum it all up. He's there, and when, when he's ready to move, all the people are ready to move. And when he's not ready to move, everyone stays and, and is firm. God is holy, and God is near. So Exodus is an incredible book that sets the stage for the rest of Scripture. It sets the stage. It begins, you know, with Moses, the law, the promised land. You know, I mean... They're still, 3,000 years later, still celebrating the Passover every year in a reminder of an event that happened 3,000 years ago. The stories are still being told of a man who, obeying God's calling, went out to lead a people from out of slavery into freedom, into identity, embracing the law of their God, and being shown away to the promised land. And as Exodus sets the stage for the rest of Scripture, it sets the stage for Jesus. Where Moses now cannot get into that cloud, Jesus can. And where Jesus was sent to liberate people, to bring salvation, to lead us out of the slavery of our own sin, and rather than give, being given the law, Jesus turns the law upside down. The Sermon on the Mount changes everything. And it's not a cloud anymore, but this thing called the Holy Spirit. Another part of who God is. Sent to guide us, to hopefully give us direction that we may abide and listen through Him. You know, the will of the Father. And finally, not just leading us to some promised land but leading us to his kingdom as Jesus began his ministry repent repent for the kingdom of God is here and that sums up the story and lays the foundation for everything to come after that the whole Old Testament basically just builds off Exodus the struggle of the people with God or with each other the struggle of what the law means and where this promised land is in their lives. They're coming and going all the time. They're fighting over it. And then the New Testament just turns it around and it becomes actually our struggle now. Our struggle to, to follow who this Jesus is 
to be his disciples knowing that our hope is not in what happens right here and right now but in a time to come in heaven let me warn you there's going to be more things than COVID hitting us this is part of what this life is there's going to be more controversial things than the vaccine there's going to be more difficult things that we face than some of the social issues that we're faced with this is part of a broken world but we are called to share Jesus to claim it in his name to share a hope and as Jesus opened up the scroll of Isaiah in Luke chapter 4 announcing his arrival I have come to set the captives free I have come to bring a light in the darkened land the challenge for us this week amen yeah amen okay if you say so Rob I've been preaching in two Pentecostal churches. I'm not used to the whole place being silent. <laughs> I lost my voice in the first one before I even got up on the stage. And, and then I barely could hear myself from all the amens and the hallelujahs as I was preaching. It's good to be back home. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> the challenge this week for you guys, do not feed the fear, Okay. Do not feed the fear. We're here to bring hope to people, not to light fires of fear and dread. There is hope in Jesus Christ that this life is not just it. Amen? Amen. Let us be his light to this darkened world. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may he watch over you, especially this week and the weeks to come. In Jesus' name, amen. If you can make your way out, the side door down here. Thank you, thank you team. Morena Church. Um, before I get into our, our sermon, just a quick word on just this last week's announcement by the government around the whole green light, red light thing. Um, we've got time before any kind of decision needs to be made for us as a church community. Um, you need to be aware there are 291 people that call Hutt City Baptist Church their home church and while we're under the restrictions now we've been kind of divided um, having two services but even with two services many choosing not even to be here because of the complexities around meeting and so on we also have some vulnerable people in our community who uh, are struggling um, to be in a community without those who are vaccinated around them. Um, I'm personally not too happy that we've been kind of forced into a position, both from the government, (laughs) having to make a decision, but also uh, maybe also from some of our community who have blown this vaccine, I think, completely out of proportion. Um, There are concerns about it. We as a church need to come to a decision about how we move forward in this regard. Um, And it's not just a decision that the leadership will make. It's a decision that we as a church will make. We're not a top-down, tell-you-how-to-do-things kind of church. We're a Baptist church. We make the decision together as a community. So over the course of the next few weeks, we'll be engaging 
with you in some way engaging where we're at and how we can move forward. Um, it's going to be a little bit of time before we hit 90%, right? Um, so yeah, it's a challenge. But hey, God can work through it and we'll work through this as well. Let's get into the sermon. Exodus, final, final sermon of a 26-part series which has been long, uh, long, really long, but it's been incredible. I mean, 26 sermons, and we've had 13 different speakers, 13 different uh, teachers from our church up front. Now, I don't know about you guys, I found that amazing. I have always been part of a church where it's always been difficult to get people who would want to even come up to talk, let alone 13 different speakers. And each were amazing. Each had put in so much time and effort and really challenged us through God's Word. Um, it's been quite amazing. This last week, I went through all of them. I went through all the sermons, I listened to them all, and I took little snippets out of each speaker that really stuck with me. Um, what I also found really interesting is when we started this sermon series, it was back in May, and listening to all the sermons in a row, it almost gave us a history of where we were at as a church. Right at the very beginning, week two, Ben Carswell came up to preach. Right after, three guys up here were reading out the Bible verses. Um, it was Eddie, Eddie and, and um, uh, Ian Carson and, and, and good old Stefan. And, it was, and we were all laughing by the end of it. And we we're still laughing when the podcast started. And Ben got up to talk about that. But then I thought with a bit of a, a pang, um, Bron was still around then. And then it hit me again. Steve Parkin was still around then. Since then, you know, we all were meeting in an auditorium. There was no two services. We thought we had COVID under wraps. A lot has changed over 26 sermons. In fact, you can even see the progression where we, we go from regular services, lockdown and video services to now multiple services. Ben Carswell shared this comment from Corey Temboom, which was powerful in his sermon. He said this, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. Which I thought was quite a powerful comment that he made. A few weeks later, Keith talking about, you know, Moses and approaching Pharaoh by saying, hey, let my people go. And that not only did that not happen, but it made it worse for the Israelites. Keith made this comment. He says, have you ever discovered that when you desire to live a, a life of faith to follow Christ, things appear to get worse? Following on from Keith, Richard talked, oh, he did a couple of great sermons, but this one comment that he used from Lauren Daigle, a Christian musician, as he was talking about identity and who we were, he said, remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. And for Moses and the Israelites, that was a constant struggle of identity, being the people of God and who we are in him. Gene Rhodes then talked about the Passover and she broke it down for us and how that, that, that works for us. And she quoting you know, her points with God saying, I will free you, I will deliver you, I will redeem you, you will be my people. Um, it's a powerful story that kind of sums up Exodus in some ways. 
a people following their God, being led, being redeemed. Kerry Bennett talked about mountains and had some really interesting and wonderful pictures of mountains, but then talking about this in-between time and saying, you know, preparing to meet God is just as important as what he has for us. And sometimes we're all about the end result, but, but the journey is actually just as important. Getting there is just as important. And a week after that, Charles Dow talked about the Ten Commandments and he made this comment, without God, morals are subjective, accidents of history, conveniences to maximize survival. That there is actually purpose behind these things. They don't just happen. Andrew Bennett, having to break down some of the laws, um, made this comment. He said, God only deals with absolutes, with the absolute truth. It's not about us. It's about God. But then he saved the Israelites before they had the law, before they had the absolutes, to bring them out and to be with them, before they were right with God. And he saves us before we are right with him. Eddie Forster made this comment. I thought it was funny, but I studied Yates at university. I'm not bragging, but he drove me nuts. And um, good old Eddie, as he was sitting at home in in Ramati, but but the comment he made that was powerful, talking about Aaron and what it meant to be the high priest and some of Aaron's struggles, he said to us, he was saying, get out there and show unapologetically what it means to be Christ. Christ is now our high priest. You might feel you've... You've got it hard at the moment, but God has never stopped getting us ready to carry on doing the things for him. Then uh, the week after that, Derek was talking about the tabernacle. And if you remember the video he had actually created, he had built this model for us on video of the, of the tabernacle and, and the tent of meeting. But he makes this comment, you know, we can trust the one whose attention to detail is evident throughout history and beyond, even into our lives today. Um, the following week, when we were moving out of full lockdown and we were able to actually get a film crew in here to film from here, and Jeff Brandt was talking a lot about the, you know, the garments of the high priests and the meanings behind them and what it meant to put on those clothes and, and what it would have you know, meant to the people seeing that. And he ends with this comment, which was so powerful. It's time for something new. It's time for something different. It's time to change my clothes and put on Jesus Christ. Barbie then, uh, a few weeks later, talked about work and about Sabbath and just made the comments about how Jesus... um, when he created things, he created them really well. You know, she was hypothesizing that, you know, he was known as a carpenter. Imagine he would have, you know, built really nice furniture because when he had the chance to create wine, he made really good wine and challenged us in our own work. I pray that God really helps you to do excellent work in the place you are working. And then the week after that, Bruce quoting from the message introduction to Matthew very powerful quote that sums up a lot of what we've been talking about over these 26 weeks saying yes the story of Jesus doesn't just begin with Jesus God had been at work for a long time salvation which is the main business of Jesus is an old business 
Every day we wake up in the middle of something that is already going on, that has been going on for a long time. Genealogy and geology, history and culture, the cosmos, God. We are neither accidental nor incidental to the story. And as I close off our 26-week-long series on, on Exodus, I want to finish off with the last four verses in the book of Exodus. Chapter 40, going from verse 34 to 38. It says this, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. Full stop, end of Exodus. And these verses almost sum up everything that this book is about. The relationship between this people, the Israelites, and God. The relationship between the two of them. The, the toing and froing in some ways. The arm wrestling. But what really comes clearly in these last four verses is this. God is holy. He is holy. You can't help but read that and think, oh my goodness, not even Moses can get close to him here. You know, one thing we Baptists sometimes, um, I think we lack in, is understanding this holiness of God. We're very pragmatic, practical people, so we create spaces that we can multi use, multitask in. But when you go to a place like Rome, I was there in 2019, you walk into a church, and you know, when I lived there when I was a lot younger, I lived there six years and I took it all for granted. It was just churches. They're old, stuffy. You, know, you walk in there, they've got some incense going on, some old people hanging out in there. No one, I didn't want to hang out in those places. But as I got older, you walk in there and you cannot help but sense the holiness of God. Now, putting aside anyone who wants to argue Catholicism and its theology, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about they put that whole space aside for God. It's holy, and that's who He is. God is holy. You cannot just take it for granted to walk in there, in that holy space. And the Israelites were learning that. This is a holy God. But there's also something else, which is kind of a, almost the opposite, but not. He is near. He is always near near and in the ancient world this is very different from all the other gods the other gods were hanging out in their in their realms in their places far away from humanity every once in a while peeking down here god is in the very midst of the people right there right in front of them and this is something that that god is and has always been he is holy and he is near The new tabernacle, Jesus Christ walked amongst us. There's power in these verses as we see who God is. And He is no different today. He is still holy 
and he is always deep. But that's not it, right? Because Exodus, it sets the stage. It sets the stage for the rest of Scripture. You know, talking about Moses and the, the law and the promised land, this, this idea that God sends, you know, uh, the obedience of one person, you know, being called by God to go liberate these people from slavery and brings them along, gives them the law, you know, his expectations upon them to make them a holy people like him and then lead them to this promised land. The whole Old Testament is actually just around those things. God sending one person after another to haul them back, trying to help them get that law into their hearts and and trying to keep them in that promised land. And then in the New Testament, it's almost like it's a rehash, but just slightly different. That an obedient servant by the name of Jesus Christ, God incarnate who came onto earth, lays down the law and turns it upside down in the Sermon of the Mount summing the law all up with two commandments love the Lord with all your heart mind and soul and love each other as yourself and leading us not to some promised land but to his kingdom the kingdom of God as in Matthew chapter 4 he starts with repent the kingdom of God is near And that's our challenge, right? Are we any different than the Israelites? Are we, we can be as stubborn as they... We, we read that and we think, how do they do the things they do? I mean, they've just seen the miracle of coming out of Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea and then they really, they make a calf out of gold and worship it? What's wrong with these people? But actually, we, we can be no different of knowing the miracles that God does in our own lives or around us. And then immediately turn to a golden calf. Maybe not a golden calf. Maybe it's a golden job or a golden house or a golden idea or hobby, whatever it might be. The story of Exodus continues through Jesus. Matthew calls Jesus the new Moses. Paul uses the, uh, the story of crossing the Red Sea and uses that as baptism. In the book of Hebrews, the author there talks about our own journey in the wilderness. Powerful through chapters 3 to 4 in Hebrews. And scripture keeps coming back to this story. And we today continue to live this story. So the challenge for you this week, the challenge for you, something to take home after going through all these nice little snippets of hearing all that has been said over these last few weeks. Rather than being halted at that cloud and not being able to go into that holy place, we have the freedom through Jesus Christ to go into that holy space with God. Take some time out this week to go into that space, to stop everything around you and look inwardly and say, God, I'm here. And rather than the cloud lifting and moving, we have a Holy Spirit that kind of imparts the will of the Father amongst us. Open your eyes and ears and allow the Spirit to speak to you and lead you. But most importantly, that tabernacle is now gone. There is no temple. 
there is Jesus Christ who gave his life for you as the sacrificial lamb of the Passover to give you hope and the promise of a new life. And you know what? Let me tell you right now, COVID, something else is going to come. Something more controversial will come about than the vaccine or other government mandates because that's just the way life is. Today it's this, it will be something else tomorrow. And it'll be something else again next week or the week after. This will happen always. But what we hold is not fear of what they may do to us or what they may impose on us. We have the hope that goes beyond this life. I think it might be time for us Christians, rather than embrace all these stories of fear, that we share the story of hope. The hope we have in Jesus Christ. Amen. I've been preaching at a couple of Pentecostal churches over these last few weeks. Amen. Amen. And uh, in the first church, before I even got up to preach, I was already hoarse. I think we went through about seven songs. And in the second church, I don't know if I could hear myself preaching from all the hallelujahs and the amens. I'm so glad to be back home. <laughs> may the Lord bless you and keep you this week. And may you be challenged share the love and hope that Jesus Christ has for all people. That regardless of what's going on in the world, there is hope in him. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Oh, was there a 3D amen, was there? Oh, awesome. We're stepping up in the world. That's m- bless you all. Um, you can actually go out the back door. You don't have to go down the side.